No one climbs Mount Everest on a whim. It is difficult and unpleasant. Also dangerous. Like, I looked it up, and just to get to base camp, so not the top of the mountain, but the place where you start climbing to the top of the mountain, you have to hike for at least two weeks straight. Getting to the actual peak is going to cost you at least $35,000. And you'll spend two months trudging headfirst into blistering winds, picking your way across ice, feeling sick while you adjust to the altitude, and worrying about frostbite. But imagine if to summit Mount Everest, all you had to do was walk across a hot beach in your swimsuit, wade into the warm water, and start swimming. Past bright red and yellow corals, down through a hole in the reef, descending deeper and deeper into the abyss. I'm Sarah Wyman, and this is Atlas Obscura, an exploration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we are visiting the Mount Everest of diving, the Blue Hole in the Red Sea. It's been called one of the deadliest dive spots in the world. Its nickname is the Diver's Cemetery, and there are literal tombstones on the beach. But the most dangerous thing about the Blue Hole is not the Blue Hole. We cannot call this place the dangerous place. The dangers come always from the divers themselves. That's after this. I'm LeVar Burton, and I read my favorite short stories every week on my podcast, LeVar Burton Reads. This season, that includes stories by Justin C. Key, Luis Alberto Urea, and Percival Everett. It's kind of like a book club, except you don't have to do the reading. I do. Listen to LeVar Burton Reads wherever you get your podcasts on. Don't forget to follow the show so you'll never miss an episode. Hey, Earwolf, Team Coco, and Stitcher listeners. It's me, Ashley Ray, and I'm here to tell you about a special collection of podcasts in honor of Women's History Month. From TV I Say with yours truly, Significant Others with Liza Powell O'Brien, and Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer, we are excited to celebrate all women who are part of the Sirius XM podcast family. So let's toast to these women-led hosts and listen on Amazon Music. Tarek Omar knows the Blue Hole better than almost anyone. It's just like a paradise, like heaven. I cannot describe even the colors. Sometimes some, some, some colors, you cannot even describe it. It just makes colors together and it's beautiful things. Tarek came to Dahab, a resort town on the Sinai Peninsula, in 1989. At the time, he was just looking for a job, but a friend got him into diving. A few years later, Tarek became a diving instructor, and now he's been diving in the Red Sea for more than 25 years. He was the first person to touch the floor at the bottom of the Blue Hole, and he says he still holds the record for the deepest dive there. 226 meters, 
diving at the blue hole. I believe I'm one of the or the only person went to that deep. If you could see it from the side, the blue hole would look kind of like a funnel. It starts with a big opening in the reef. And as you dive down deeper, it gets narrower and narrower, like a tunnel full of water that points straight down. If you dive down far enough, it connects to the Red Sea through an archway. Geologists say blue holes like this one formed hundreds of thousands of years ago, when rising water flooded natural cave systems. Some people they say it's a natural hole. Some people say with the development of the Earth. Some people they say it's uh, something fall from the sky and opened that hole. Many, many stories, actually. There are other blue holes around the world, but the one in the Red Sea has a reputation for being the most dangerous. There's no official record of how many divers have drowned here, but over the course of the past couple of decades, Tarek has personally recovered at least 20 bodies at the Blue Hole. And I've read estimates of the mortality rate that are much higher than that. I mean, you've obviously dived in a number of places. Do you think there's anything remarkable or unusual about this site? What makes this very special or very famous is just does it have a different feeling when you dive in it. Of course, because you dive lots of stories, lots of histories behind it, lots of people talking. So the, when the people jump in it, they have this kind of uh, enjoyment, just like the Mount Everest. The mythology surrounding the Blue Hole, all the rumors about how dangerous it is, that's exactly what draws people in. The diving community, the travel community, the press, all of them talk about the Blue Hole like it's a Mount Everest, a deathly challenge waiting to be conquered. But unlike Mount Everest, the Blue Hole is extremely accessible. It is 32 feet from the beach. In the coldest seasons, the average water temperature is 73 degrees Fahrenheit. The water is also incredibly clear. And in the Blue Hole itself, there's no current, because it's a vertical tube, protected from all sides. In theory, these conditions are perfect for diving. They're safe. But Tarek says that is the problem. Because once you start diving in the Blue Hole, you are deep-sea diving. And if you approach that like it's no big deal, you might suddenly find yourself in a very dangerous situation. It's dangerous, but if you know what you're doing and you have all the knowledge and the equipment needed, I think you could survive it. In fact, when Tarek started diving, he stuck to shallow water. But then a good friend of his died. It was actually the friend who taught Tarek how to dive. He'd been out on a deep water dive and something had gone wrong. The rescue team couldn't recover his body. And without a body, it was hard to say what happened. I was like, no way, I, I need to understand. So I started actually. And actually because of this accident, I was interested in deep water diving. That's how I started the deep water diving. And, and my main goal it was just like, I want to see them. I want to find them. Why they cannot find them? And then I get into a real uh, deep study of, of the deep water diving and what the dangers behind it, what the risk. 
what we need to do such uh, such kind of dives. Deep water diving is an extreme sport. And the type of diving Tarek does is the most extreme version of that sport. It's called technical diving, and it means descending further than 40 meters, or 130 feet. These divers breathe in specialized gas mixtures, and when they come back to the surface, they have to pause periodically to let their body readjust to the pressure, or else they could get seriously injured. What would you say is the biggest difference between deep water diving and, and regular diving, if you will? Uh, for, well, we say deep water diving, which is means someone going to descend all the way down. They need to have this kind of survivor attitude. Because we know that in deep water diving, just like all the extreme diving, it's just the mental, uh, mental state of, of the person. Below 200 meters underwater, the light from the surface starts to fade away. It's twilight down there. And you are surrounded by water. It's under you. It's around you. It's weighing down on top of you. And the worst thing you can do in that situation is panic. We always need to take all this emotion part out of our mind and we be practical in, in, in those. Because sometimes the emotion, it could just lead to an, uh, an accident. As you descend deeper and deeper into the blue hole, the pressure will start to affect you. Some divers say with every 10 feet, it feels like you've drunk a martini. And by the time you're hundreds of feet underwater, your body will also start reacting differently to the gas you're breathing in from your tank. You might become disoriented or make worse decisions or even hallucinate. It's called nitrogen narcosis. And sometimes the people, they get into a level of, of, of the 40 meters or something, and then this narcotic effect, it will make them lose of them orientation. Or the buoyancy in the water, and they start drop, of course. But that could happen anywhere. Anywhere where you went deep sea diving, that would happen if you weren't careful. Of course, of course, of course. But it does happen at the Blue Hole more than almost anywhere else. Tarek recovered his first bodies from the hole in 1997. There were two of them, diving partners. And since then, there have been more deaths, some of them pretty high profile. There was the diver who recorded his own death on his helmet camera. Another one was an experienced technical diver who was supporting someone on a free dive. There was a Russian man who'd made over 400 dives before he attempted the Blue Hole. The more people talk about the Blue Hole in the Red Sea, the more dangerous it seems to become. We all have this idea that it's that it's a really dangerous place that's associated with death. And you have seen that death, but it seems like somehow you haven't allowed that to affect your experience of the place. Is that true? Because, because I believe it's not the place, it's the reason of this misery. Just, I feel sorry for the diver went uh, and never come back. I feel sorry for them, for family and for loved ones. And I always feel sad because I know two hours before he was happy, laughing, having a holiday and everything. And after two hours, it's completely different story. 
But to Tarek, that feeling is separate, almost unrelated to the Blue Hole. Even though there are memorial stones on the beach, he says this place is not a graveyard. Uh, No, no, I I don't consider it as a graveyard, no. Is the people consider the Mount Everest as a graveyard? No. They don't. It's the whole extreme sport, which is you have lots of action here and there. They never felt this kind of feeling, and is it a graveyard or no, no, not really. Tarek says there are prettier places to dive in the Red Sea than the Blue Hole. Reefs with more colors and more fish. Shipwrecks you can explore. But the Blue Hole is awe-inspiring in a different way. It's the deep sea, contained and concentrated in this one spot by a hole in the reef. And once you're hundreds of meters underwater, with the weight of the ocean on top of you, under you and around you, all that power in this one place can make you feel small. We need to know that we are very, very weak. The creation on the sea we are weaker than even the clownfish, small fish, colored fish. We are weaker than, than this fish because this fish, it's in our own environment. We are not in our own environment. We jump on different environments. So we need to really respect what we do and respect the sea. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder-Arnold, Manolo Morales, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. I'm Sarah Wyman. Thanks for listening. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Hello, I'm Brian Cox. I'm Robin Ince, and this is the Infinite Monkey Cage trailer for our brand new series. We've got mummies, we've got magic, we've got asteroids. Mummies, magic and asteroids, what's the link? That it was an asteroid that magically went over the world that led to Imhotep the mummy coming back to life? That's correct. I thought it would be. We're as scientific as ever. But the most important thing to know is that we are going to deal with the biggest scientific question. We finally ask, what is better, cats or dogs? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.